2: The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. It's
3: that little Chico Pit, boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. (laughs) Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Ah.
0: Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a cafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. ProWrestlingSheet.com Hello everybody
2: and welcome to a special edition of Wrestling Sheet Radio. I'm your host, ProWrestlingSheet.com Editor-in-Chief Ryan Satin, here with a special guest today... Big Cass, former WWE star, now Kaz. XL. Kaz XL. That's that right? That's right, Kaz XL. Kaz XL. Where did that name come from? What what, what made you land on that?
1: Uh, I wanted to do Big Cass, but then like it it just it sounded too familiar to Big Cass, so I was like, let me switch it up. So I was just like, let me throw a Z in there and just because like when I was with WWE, I was like 275 pounds, really 275. But I got myself up to over 300 pounds. I was like, well, now I'm extra large. So
2: instead of big Kaz, Kaz Excel. (laughs) I guess that's a good reason. That makes sense. It actually makes me, it helps me remember it now more easily too. So that's good. Uh, Well, you know, Kaz was recently featured in a video for DDP Yoga in which he opened up about suffering from depression and addiction and how he's urging anyone going through a similar struggle to get help. And, you know, I wanted to bring you in here because just... First and foremost, uh, I really respect you for being able to come out and do that. You know, uh, I know many people who have suffered from depression, from addiction, uh, all sorts of things like that, and and I know how serious of a thing it can be. I know that you know sometimes when it comes to depression, you just feel like you're so alone. Yeah. And, and so uh, someone of your stature being able to come out and say that, you know, especially a big, tough guy like you, who you know, in a toxic masculinity world, like you're a big dude who. Normally, you wouldn't hear talking about those kinds of things. So I I respect you for being able to do that because it's not easy to do something like that. No, and I feel
1: like not enough people talk about it. I feel like uh, especially in sports or in wrestling, like if you suffer from depression, you bury that deep, deep down and you don't let anybody see it or you don't talk about it. It's the worst thing you can do. Everybody is embarrassed or there's like a stigma out there that you're weak or, or, you know, that you're a pussy uh, pretty much. Uh, so you don't say anything and you keep it to yourself and you don't go seek help, whether that's talk therapy or, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, or, you know, you see a psychiatrist or whatever it is, people don't do it. And then that just leads to disaster. Yeah,
2: totally. I think that, you know, and it does go back, you know, it goes back to when you're a kid and yeah, the whole pussy thing. I mean, that's really something that gets driven into you as a child of like, you don't show emotion. You don't show. Uh, sadness or depression, and, and and that that can fuck with your head, dude. I mean, even me, you know, when my brother passed away, you know, you you feel like you need to be like a rock for everyone, so you just have to yeah. like let ev- nothing penetrate through, and then you know, years later, you realize that like everything penetrated through, but you've yeah. just been trying to bury it down, you know. Yeah,
1: and burying it down is just it's just the worst worst thing you can do, and it makes life hell on a daily basis. Especially, I was dealing with anxiety and depression. Having to walk around locker rooms and and pretend like everything was okay and put on a face like, oh, I'm very happy. But I wasn't happy. And um, I really should have spoken up or I I should have gone and sought help, sought out help way earlier than I did uh, because it just led to an absolute downfall of me, my career, uh, and me in William Patrick Morrissey III as a human being. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really should have just. I don't know, just really just grew a set of balls and just fucking went and gotten help. And I didn't do that.
2: That's not an easy thing to do. I know it's no. you say that and it's easy to say that after the fact, but like getting help really is a difficult thing. I mean, I, like I said, my brother passing away, I've been putting off going to therapy for years just because it's like, I know that it's like hard to uh, confront those things and to kind of like make a change. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, how, If you had to guess, like, how far back do you think that went, like, your depression? I mean, how far have you kind of been struggling with it, you think? Since high school type stuff? Yeah, yeah. for so
1: long. Uh, It it wasn't, you know, anxiety was always a problem for me, worrying about things that no earthly human being should ever worry about. Uh, I was worrying about uh, really minute things and turning them into really big things. And that goes way back to high school and college, but things didn't get really, really bad until probably when I was with NXT, and uh, yeah, that's when things kind of, that's not when I spiraled out of control, but that's when things started really ramping up, when I was having anxiety on a daily basis, waking up with anxiety, going to Performance
2: Center, pretending I was fine when when I wasn't. Um, Do you think it was, when it came to that and the NXT stuff, do you feel like it was the pressure of performing, you know, at such a high level at the performance center, or was it more like being put on uh, a public stage like that? Because that, because people, I think a lot of people don't realize, like that's when that happens, your life changes. I don't think it was that. No, I think for me it was a chemical
1: imbalance. Interesting. Yeah, I think for me it was just no matter what I did, I could have been a banker, I could have been, you know, you know, an Uber driver, I could have been anything in the world, and I think this would have happened. I just think that there's some sort of chemical imbalance in my body, and I think a lot of people out there that suffer. It doesn't stem from, like, a childhood disaster or it doesn't stem from a specific event. I think that there's just a chemical imbalance in some people um, that they're afraid to talk about. So I think no matter what I did, where I went with my life, this was going to happen.
2: So that becomes almost like the difference between, for someone who maybe doesn't know the technicality of things, like of being depressed about a specific thing or suffering from depression kind of
1: Exactly. So, like some people say like I I've, I've had depression but it but they say you know there was a death in the family or I lost my job and I was in a depression. Yeah, that's that's a little different from suffering from absolutely. daily depression.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean like like the two differences obviously like I'm sad but I can get through it, you know, with my brother and stuff. I'm not like immobile <laughs> at home yeah. works. I know that that's what real depression can do to people where they just like feel like they can't leave the house they just feel like everything's coming down on them and i i super couldn't imagine going through that and and when you're it's sucked because
1: when you're suffering from it you got to get up and you got to go perform so i can't lie in bed all day so i have to put on a brave face or whatever you want to call it and put on that bravado like i'm a big tough guy or and go out there and perform i can't lie in bed all day i have a huge responsibility to myself to you know wwe to the world to the fans so uh, I had to go out there and, and do that on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. some people I talk to just don't understand how I was even able to do it.
2: I don't. I mean, when I watched that video that you did the DDP yoga video, and that part where you talked about the day, the day, the night before you tore your ACL, mm-hmm. and how you were just at your lowest, and 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 how you woke up the next morning saying like you wish you hadn't woke up, that you wish you were dead, yeah. and I mean to me that's just, that crushed me. I mean, I couldn't imagine that.
1: And there's no reason for it. I was in, you know, I was doing so well. Uh, I just wrestled the big show, which is like a huge feat for me, like on SummerSlam in front of a sold-out crowd in my hometown. Friends and family were in the building. I should have been riding like the biggest high of all time after that, but this was this had been going on for months at that point. Uh, I woke up and was just like, I, I, you know, I, I never, never once like, like made any sort of attempt or anything like that. But I just was like, why didn't I just pass away in my sleep? Yeah. Like, why?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, those thought. No, I mean, though, just having that thought. It, yeah. It, uh, you know, I have people close to me who, who are suffering from depression. depression and when they talk to me about those kinds of things, like I'm driving, and I thought about just driving off the cliff, and you're just like.
3: Fuck, man.
2: See, see I, ne- I never had thought. I don't know. I've never had a thought like that. He's,
3: never never anything. Yeah, that's never good. anything like that.
2: Yeah,
1: like I, I'm not going to like walk in front of a train or something like that. But it's just like, why am I living? What, 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 why am I on this earth? Like, just like I don't understand. And you're in a bit of a confusion because you're on top of the world. You're doing great. You're making money. You have friends and family around you that love you. You have coworkers that are there for you you're living out your dream you have your dream job so there should be no reason why you feel that way but for some reason i did and that's where the confusion starts to come in it's like why am i feeling like this because i have everything i ever wanted mm-hmm. yeah you know just i so the, it was a lot of confusion that went with the depression
2: do you think that the self-medicating with alcohol is what led to part of the downfall of 100% you- yeah
1: yeah I was out of, con- I was absolutely out of control. I
2: mean, with- that video where they show the floor and how much alcohol bottles were on the ground was definitely like that's a lot of drinking. It's
1: been worse, man. Really? Uh, yeah. Like uh, I'll tell you this, I've never said this on record. I'll say it here. Like before the seizure, uh, every day I was drinking a handle of Tito's vodka, every motherfucking day, Fuck. a whole handle. Fuck. You could and that you could ask my drizzly driver, uh, that he can attest to it. I became very good friends with the drizzly delivery guy. Uh, yeah, every day. So, like, I was drinking so much uh, just to get through the day. And then it's just crazy because you're drinking so much, your body starts withdrawing from alcohol even when you try to go to sleep. So you can't even fall asleep because your body and your brain know, hey, we're not going to be getting that stuff while we're asleep. So you can't fall asleep. So you just drink more and more and more. I
2: was out of control. Fuck, dude. I mean, that's definitely, yeah. That's Was there anyone during that time period before, you know, before you decided to get help, was there anyone that, you know, your coworkers and former co former coworkers reached out to try to help. That 100%. Tried to,
1: yeah. A lot of people knew something was wrong, but the thing is it has to come from within. Yeah. Nobody can tell you to do anything. Everybody can give you advice, yep. but I could just tell them to fuck off. Yep. It has to come to a point like it did with a seizure where you have to come to the self realization. Something's wrong. You need to fix something here. Yep. Uh, I talk about, like, you know, people people can go to rehab uh, for six weeks, walk out of the rehab facility. They could walk right to the fucking liquor store right then and there. I mean, it has to come from within. You oh, have yeah. to want to make the change.
2: Even when it comes from within, it's tough. I mean, I yeah. know that, you know, when I had people that were close to me in rehab and I would go visit them every week for visiting hours, the stories I would hear while I was in there of just people that, it was like a rabbi who was, a, you know, dick to crack. And that no matter what he did, he... he He'd be at the facility, and the second he'd leave, he'd go right back to the crack house no matter what he did. Because that's just, what he can do. Because that's what he can do. He's a free man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's really, that kind of stuff gets, it, it, it hurts, I'm, and I'm so happy that you were able to dig yourself out of it, because not a lot of people do, and the fact that you were able to have someone that that you were able to turn to, that, that came to you, that, that that friend of yours that you talked about in the video, yeah. the fact that you were able to have someone that did that, that helped you like that, that and that you were will, that, that it was the right time when you were willing to do it, yeah. and I'm just so happy that you know all the pieces came together
1: like that i am a firm believer that everything happens for a reason and that guy was put in my life doug lawson for a reason he, he i was at the uh it was a big event where it was something in new york and uh he circled the room like three times and he was like i need to talk to this guy something's wrong with him uh so he said he circled the room three times and when he was about to leave he came up to me and he said to me you're deeply depressed I'm thinking, who the fuck is this guy? Like, yeah, of course. F-. I was like, do you want a fucking autograph or a picture? Get the fuck away from my table, man. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, especially the mood you were in at the time. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, the guy I'm looking at right now is not the guy I used to watch on television. He's not even close to that guy. He said, something is wrong with you. And then I opened up to him because he was right. And then he was like, you need to come live with me in Delaware. And I'm going to get you sober. And I'm going to help you stay clean. And I'm going to get you in the best shape of your life. And that's exactly what he fucking did.
2: You were living in Florida at the time, right? Tampa. Tampa. Okay. So then you just up, you just uprooted everything? Moved to Delaware?
1: Well, like, I still kept the apartment in Tampa, but I moved a bunch of my stuff to Delaware. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
2: how long were you in Delaware
1: for? I've gone there on and off, but the first time I was there for like two months.
2: That's yeah. cool. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, like I went. The only time I went home to New York was for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other guy staying with me, his name was Alex. He's from Florida. He let me borrow his car because he had to go back to Tampa to visit his family. So I took my, his car up to New York for for uh, for Christmas, and then I went back to Jersey for New Year's for a uh, a wedding. Mm-hmm. And that was the only times that I'd left that place. Yeah,
2: I mean that place. I mean, the, any sober house is, is is so helpful just to have people that are supportive that you can kind of go out doing things with that yeah. it's, it's so key. That's why when I knew people who were in rehab, I went every weekend to try and be there for them because I know, I mean, the, the detox alone is just like the yeah. fucking worst. I mean, that, I, that had to have been one of the worst parts, I imagine. The detox, uh, the, the
1: seizure, that was it. Yeah. Like, people don't understand. Like, I learned eventually that alcohol withdrawal can kill you. Oh, yeah. Like, I've, heroin withdrawal and stuff like that can make you very ill, will make you want to kill yourself yes but alcohol withdrawal can literally kill you yes like the seizure is about as far as it can go before you're dead
2: that's why when you said the handle of vodka or the tito's or whatever like i was like fuck that's that's definitely on the level where you can get to that for sure for sure i mean that's like 100 no joke and this was going on for months well, I want to go back. I want to get into what you did to clean up. I want to get back to the Delaware yeah. stuff. Um, but would it be okay to go back a little and discuss kind of some of the things from your exit from WWE sure. and, and how these things kind of played a part There's a little bit?
1: There's some things that I like I'd rather keep to myself, but whatever, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I, if it's relationship related, I don't want to get in, into anything related to your relationships. Yeah. More so some of the news things that came about uh, cool. at, at the time. Um and so kind of like you said, you know, um you got injured, you hurt, you got injured when you were uh that, that match with Enzo, yeah. uh, and then you had eight months out. So before you came back, were those eight months pretty bad as well? Yep, horrible. That, same shit. Same shit.
1: Drinking. Uh. So I took those stupid Percocets or whatever they gave. I threw those in the trash. Mm-hmm. I've never been a fucking pill guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never understood it. It's more the uh, the process of getting drunk. Yep. Yeah, like taking a pill and getting high. I've never. It's I not. Don't, yeah. It's not for me. I don't get it. Totally. So like. I was just drinking. Just drinking and then, you know, just pretending that everything was okay. And, uh, yeah, I was in a bad, bad funk. And then uh, it started to get to the point where we reached New Year's, and I was like, okay, you're going to be coming back soon. And, like, I had, like, this fire lit under me. Like, I got a new apartment in Tampa, and I was so fucking motivated, man. And I just worked hard, worked out with Rob McIntyre, he's John Cena's trainer, uh, you know, so many times every week and uh I got myself to that point in the best shape of my life. Yeah, you were killing when you came yeah. back,
2: you were cut. That's mainly why I asked that
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I was still but I was still drinking mm-hmm. uh here and there. Um but then uh yeah, like I just worked my ass off to get that in the best shape of my life. And uh yeah, I came back and we were off to the races again. Mm-hmm. And I was put in a really big spot, which was awesome. But uh, when you go back to that hotel room and when you get in that rental car, You're what's, alone it, what's, it all, what's it all about? Yeah. 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 Totally. People are gone. Coworkers are gone. It's just you. Yeah.
2: yeah. You didn't travel with anyone on the road anymore at that no, point?
1: I, I didn't trust many people anymore. I didn't, I just didn't. Uh, I didn't care to ride with anybody. I wanted to be by myself, listen to music, listen to podcasts, just drive by myself, be a loner. That's, exa- that's the goal I had when I came back. I what were your like, favorite podcasts? I was always listening to Bruce Pritchard, man.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, always, I love that podcast. Rogan. Yep. Uh, and Bill Burr. Yeah. The, I love the Bruce Pritchard one just because, like... It's, it's fun learning all the, like, inside things from back in the day. And that guy's fucking memory is crazy.
1: He remembers conversations that happen in specific meetings. Like It
2: blows my mind. I actually I had to mediate or moderate uh, a panel thing that he did once, and we got to have, like, drinks afterwards. And that was, like, the first thing I asked him because he talks about smoking weed. And I'm like, yeah. how do you smoke weed and have that kind of memory? <laughs> like, Yo, how do you remember crazy. things from 20, 30 years ago? He did, he did tell me that he, in prepping for the shows – he calls a lot of the people yeah, who were he, involved because I was like, "There's no way he can just remember all he, of that." He
1: does mention that on the podcast sometimes. Yeah. It's like he'll call somebody to see what happened. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, totally. But okay, so you're on the road by yourself, and you got in the best shape of your life. Uh, you're putting this big spot with Daniel Bryan. Do you remember when you found out that you were going to be feuding with Daniel Bryan as you came the, back?
1: The day before, uh, we had the uh, superstar shakeup. I remember the day specifically. Another horrible day, man. Like I got to the building. Tremendous anxiety. I went up. Uh, We had blood work done that day, I remember. And I went up into the stands, and I literally went behind the curtain, like the point where the stage blocks you. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there for hours by myself because my anxiety was out of control. Mm. Don't know why, but it was crazy. And I remember, like, I went into catering, and I didn't want to see anybody. And Elias, fucking bless his heart, man, fucking really good friend, Elias could tell something was wrong, mm-hmm. so he fucking took his plate and we went out and we ate in the hallway like in a secluded area because mm-hmm. he could tell i didn 't want to be around people mm-hmm. when you 're in that state of anxiety you don 't want to see anybody so like I went into catering and I immediately started panicking because everybody 's there so like Elias like took me into the hallway and then we went to like down another hallway and he ate with me in the hallway, which is awesome of him, uh, so I remember that day, and then uh, I think it was um road dog pulled me and Brian aside and uh, told us what was going to happen the next night Mm -hmm. and on that drive I remember they let us go early because anybody that was then not going to be on Raw anymore going to Smackdown they let you leave the building and I remember on the drive I was fucking so pumped so excited so jacked up man went to the hotel the next morning I woke up to get a workout I saw Brian in the parking lot in his car we were chatting I was like really excited Mm -hmm. like he could tell I was excited like I was like fuck yeah like, this is, this is, this is how it's, you know, this is the comeback. Like, you're going to be fucking good now. You like, got in shape. You're, you're ready to go. Yeah. Like I felt very happy at that point. And then slowly again, go out there, do it. And then you're back in the hotel room by yourself. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I, honestly, I don't think you realize how being alone can just fuck with your head. Anyone, mm-hmm. even, even if you're not suffering from things, but when you, any level of suffering from anxiety or that kind of thing, being alone in your thoughts when you're not, when you have that chemical imbalance, it yeah, it really does fuck with you. Cause it, and, and I, it's it fucking sucks when you hear this stuff and you think that like, man, this person was like getting to live their they're getting their dream, you know. And it yep. sucks that they're just like in this like mental prison while it's happening. And it, I, I can't, I, fuck, that sucks. Do you think that that's? I mean, because you never told anyone any of this at the time, right? So like, no one knew what was going on. Brian knew. Brian knew. Mm-hmm. I told. I
1: eventually opened up to him.
2: Well, yeah. and did Could, he try to I mean was he Was he helpful as well Very I mean he seems Like a really nice guy
1: Yeah and his mom's A psychiatrist Oh so, interesting Yes so he He was asking her Questions for me That's cool Brian was like The only person that knew Him and my ex At the time uh, Yeah We're the only two people
2: That knew what was Going on with me mm-hmm. Yeah I mean that's That's I mean the fact Because at the time It seemed like Daniel Bryan was Trying to get people that he wanted to help, kind of like some some of the guys, he wanted to help kind of raise people up, it seemed like, at the time. So it was cool that you were getting that opportunity. I mean, looking I, back on it, even though things maybe didn't go the way they went, are you happy that you had that experience? I'm happy I had that
1: experience. I'm also disappointed in myself. I'm disappointed that I like I let the company down, Vince down, Hunter down, and I let Brian down because Brian was really excited to work with me. Mm-hmm. And I let him down. Uh, these are things I have to deal with now, just yeah. learning experiences. But... Looking back on it, yeah, I'm very disappointed in myself. I'm 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 more disappointed that I let people down, mm-hmm. that that wanted it to work out, but uh, there are bigger forces at hand that were going against me at that at that point in time. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, that's that's stuff that's that's beyond you. You know, <laughs> that yeah. that there's 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 crazier things at work. I mean, our human bodies are just. They're weird, you know? Yeah. There's only so much stuff that they can take or whatever. Um, and would you say that it was the same thing in going to Greatest Royal Rumble at the time? I mean, because you got the same thing. I mean, you got a pretty big push there. You were one of the finalists, if I recall. Yeah. I almost tore my ACL
1: in that match. Really? Yeah. Well, huh. The second I entered the ring, I think there was a big pile, and Braun broke it up, and like I got clipped on the side of the knee. God, and so I you got up and, another
2: ACL twice.
1: If it wasn't for that stupid DonJoy protective brace, which I hated the look of, I hated the stupid thing. If it wasn't for that, I would have torn my ACL again. Crazy. Yeah, it just got clipped right away once I got in the ring.
2: Right but when you got in the ring, too. The second, I slid. in. Oh man! No.
1: But um, yeah, Greatest Royal Rumble, another great opportunity. Uh, they put me last, and they were brawn, which was cool as mm-hmm. shit. Um, yeah, it was. I guess that flight back from Saudi Arabia, I was riding a high, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, that's that's I was doing great at that point in time.
2: That seems like I mean, unfortunately, like the whole last year is like the wave of like these riding high while alone just suffering.
1: Yeah, but <sighs> yeah, I, I remember hate- I remember the ride back from Saudi Arabia. Everybody was asleep. I can't sleep on planes, so I was by myself. So the how pla- long is that flight? fucking 13 14. Oh, hours. You couldn't sleep? Oh. No, so the pilot invited me up to the cockpit and I sat up there for 3 or 4 hours. Okay, that's kind of cool. With the pilots. Yeah. That's, cool. that's cool then. It was sick.
2: <laughs> yeah. What was was what was the experience like in Saudi Arabia? I mean, I know that you were only there for the first one which was controversial but not as controversial as the others. I had
1: no issue. I mean, I I just uh I didn't know what to expect going over there. It's definitely a different culture. Mm-hmm. But uh man, I kind of kept to myself. I had a lot of appearances. Mm. So I was, uh, I was pretty much hotel, gym, building. That mm-hmm. was it.
2: Did you did you go to that like? Were you part of that like big dinner thing they had? No, I wasn't there. Okay, that makes that's that. Those dinners looked wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I know a bunch of people went to that, but I it wasn't. seemed like it
2: was like a lot of like legends and and, and stuff like that that went there yeah. for that. Um, now can, I, I do want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, especially because of all this you've told me about. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that people talk about in terms of a uh, you know. The end of your run in WWE was that segment with the little person. Yeah. Uh, Can you talk us about that day at all? Can you talk us through what what, what happened at all? It's a
1: fucking mistake. It was a dumb decision on my part. Mm -hmm. So stupid. Uh, It was just like probably the worst decision I ever made. And it's so crazy what I was going through at the time. Because if you would have asked anybody, if you would have told anybody two years prior, even a year prior, that I was going to do that, they would have said, you're fucking crazy. He's the model employee. I, I don't know what... I don't know. I was... My mind was in a different place, man. Totally. And that was the dumbest fucking thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. I regret it to this day. So fucking stupid. Um, I mean, did you talk to Vince about it? And this is like you wanted to... Yeah, I don't want to get into everything. It was mm-hmm. just... It was just a mistake, man. Yeah. It no, it makes a, sense. It was a big fucking mistake. Uh, and I knew it the second I came back. Uh... I don't know. It was it was a mistake. I went out there, I did what I what I thought was uh I don't know. I, I looked in the crowd and people were not reacting how they were how I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. And uh I just did what I thought was right and it was a very stupid decision. Mm-hmm. Very fucking stupid. I shouldn't have done it.
2: Was there anger backstage when you went backstage too? Was there- Of course,
1: man. Yeah. It was uh that was a bad night, man. I shouldn't have done that. I took a chance, a stupid chance. Really dumb chance, and uh, just didn't didn't work.
2: Yeah, I can see, and and also in the mindset you were in the time. I mean, obviously from everything we're talking about here, you know, you weren't in the best mindset at the time. No. So I mean, I mean, I, 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 I,
1: I think I lost my mind weeks prior to mm-hmm.
2: that. Lost it. Do you think this was the real beginning of the end of your time in WWE? No,
1: I think me, I think I was going to self destruct at a certain point, no matter what. Doesn't matter what was what situation you put me in. Something bad, like I was going to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. I was very self-destructive at that point in time. Very. Uh, th- it doesn't matter. Something was going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that's what led to kind of like some of the issues on that same European tour that came afterwards as well, where it was like, because I remember Sports Illustrated at the time. They talked. They, I mean, they reported on the drinking side of things. And were so was- many
1: things reported that were bullshit. There were some that were true. Like mm-hmm. when you get fired and I'm sitting there and people are telling me what's being said about me, I, all I give a fuck about is having that next beer. I was fucking so depressed that I was out of it. Like. I just didn't give a fuck. I didn't care what was being said about me. But, yeah, it was just, I just had lost my mind. And, again, like, it was so out of character for William Morrissey. Like people, I'm sure people looking back on that were, were now or even in the moment were like, that just doesn't sound like him. That's not the guy I, I've known for five years. It's not the guy I've known for four years. So it's, Something's not right with this guy something's wrong
2: it was confusing at the time i i, I yes. definitely i mean i reported on one of them you know i reported on the little person thing at the time and i remember like it was very much people were like man it's just i, I don't know what's happening it's it very was so much, out of character it was very me. out of character i remember hearing at the time i'd lost my mind already
1: mm-hmm. It was gone so i was making mistakes that i would have never made in a million years but something just like i talk about that chemical about something just wasn't right man mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's just uh it's unfortunate because it but like I said, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I made those fucking mistakes. I'm going to learn from those mistakes. Uh, all I can do is move forward, man. So totally. looking back, just learn from those mistakes. Because well, like they're done. Said, they're, they they happen.
2: Well, like you said, you know, before we started recording, I was asking how old you were. And you said you're 31. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, you were growing up on a huge international platform mm-hmm. in front of millions of people hiding this secret in your head that was fucking you up. I mean, like there's, that's not an easy thing for anyone to go through. I mean, like I, 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 I understand that people deal with different things. And like you said, people grow. I mean, the fact that you're able to be sitting here talking about it yeah. for other people to learn from and, and hopefully get help before a self-destruction moment happens. I mean, that's, yeah. that I mean, that was it. I had to go get help. Yeah, that was it. Yeah.
1: And no matter how weak you may feel or how weak some other people may feel, especially in, you know, an industry like that or sports or people may think that you're a weak person. Fuck them. You need to do what's right for you. Yep. You need to get yourself right because yep. you need to live because yeah. I could have died. Yes. So I need to fucking do what I need to do. Yep. And uh, it just took all those mistakes and then, you know, all those months of self-destruction and then finally bang seizure. So it was like need to, that was the wake up moment.
2: Where were you when you got the call from WWE that you got that you got released?
1: Do you remember? No, I was. done. Uh, Vince called me and Vince had, called you and so you were face to face. Face to face. Mm-hmm. We had a long talk. Mm-hmm. It was a great talk. Uh, yeah, we had a very very good conversation, and um, we left very amicably. And like, a, I have no bad bad things to say about that company. Like they they treated me well. They fucking put me in great spots. They they did everything for me and I kind of just fucked them over and I feel bad about that and mm-hmm. I'm disappointed in myself that I let a lot of people down because they put a lot of fucking faith in me and they treat they that company treated me very very well and um, just like I said there were forces at play that just couldn't be stopped and uh, like like I said everybody deserves a second chance so we'll see what happens but uh, yeah it was done face to face very great conversation It had to have lasted maybe an hour
2: Wow! Yeah, it was a very and good. Time. Man, that's crazy. Yep. And I nice. mean, that's that's the fact that it wasn't just a like call from Corano, you know, or, you know the, mm-hmm. that you got a full thing like that it says a lot. I think about yep. what you did before. I think that it says a lot about you know the, the character you were as well. I think that you know you you're a little hard on yourself, obviously, because of how things yep. played out. But the fact Always. that Vince doesn't do that for everybody, like sit there and have an hour long conversation with them and, and yep. talk to them about it. Do you feel like do you feel like you've, I mean, obviously you feel like you've unfinished business there. Yep. Is that something that you feel, because it was such an amicable exit at the time and, and, and explained to you, do you think that's something where the door is still open if you get your shit, to, since you've gotten your shit together? I do think the door's open. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what I want to do. do you, is that something that you'd want to do, or is it tough because of tough all the say. memories
1: it brings back? and... It's just tough to say right now. Uh-huh. It's a tough life, man. People don't realize how tough that lifestyle is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mentally right now, I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel like I'm in a very good place to handle that schedule and to handle that life. That's where I feel like I'm at right now, but I don't know what I want to do, man. I'm kind of living life right now, keeping my options open.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, There's plenty of wrestling to be had out there in the world. There's
2: plenty of other options and entertainment out there to be had, be had in the world. So, is there, other things, are there, is there Are there other things in entertainment that, you, that interest you? Mm-hmm. Like acting, is that, is that one of them? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Have you, work, have you started kind of like working into that at all? Uh, you know, uh, not, I don't want to get into too many details, okay, but, fair you, but yeah, definitely. Thanks. Great. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I do. I'm this, this, uh, people who bought my site, client or the office here, they're a movie news website. Oh, so nice. I'm, I'm a big movie news guy. I'm, I'm, my second love is like movies and acting yeah. and that kind of thing. I grew up wanting to act. So I mean, like, I, I love it. it. I haven't fucking done anything, but
1: <laughs> I'm definitely taking steps in the right direction. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, that, that's rad. Yeah, and I think that you're right. I mean, the landscape in wrestling is is wild right now. You know, Why th- there's just so much shit going on. There's there's everything is happening, and I think that um, you know, obviously with AEW being around, thinking, in my opinion, they need a big guy. They need some more big guys in AEW. So, and, and like you said, the the being in the hotel alone, 360 days a year, like isn't easy. I would think that. A lighter schedule like that would be a little more pleasant.
1: But like I said, I think after seeking help, like I feel like I'm in the right place. Now. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that it would be a not a breeze. Obviously, it's a fucking tough life. But compared day. to what
2: I was going through at you know a year ago, two years ago, like I, it would be a breeze now. What are some of the things that you did do to kind of get get things going in the right direction after getting sober? What are some of the changes that you did have to make?
1: See a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I was living with Doug. Also, Doug. Uh, Took care of me, fucking kept an eye over me. And then you kind of built up trust with him. Like, he would be watching over me a lot. And then finally, like, comes to a point where he's like, all right, I don't need to watch him as much. And then finally, it's like, all right, I know I trust him. He's not going to fucking do anything. Yeah. I'll let him go fucking to the grocery store and fucking tanning. I know he's not going to go to the bar and fucking drink. So I just built up that trust. And, like, it's set to build it up with yourself, man. Yeah. Just uh, because there's alcohol. It's the most accessible drug on the planet. Mm -hmm. I'm in a hotel right now that has a mini bar yep i could have told him to remove it to to get rid of everything i'm not going to do that because i have the willpower i'm not going to fucking touch it mm-hmm. i have no interest in it zero i know what it did to my life i know how badly it destroyed it yeah not going to fucking go back to that mm-hmm. you know so no matter how much alcohol i'm around if i'm in a social situation how much alcohol is in my fucking hotel room i ain't gonna fucking drink it good
2: yeah yeah it, yeah do you think that this getting sober and getting help led to you and Enzo kind of reconciling your relationship too?
1: We reconciled after the seizure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, tech- before the seizure, uh, I gave him a call. It was at the point in time where I was like making amends with people just because I, at that point in time, man, like I didn't, I was so unhealthy. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. So I called him and we made amends. And then after the seizure, we really fucking talked. And, um, yeah, he was actually very fucking helpful in helping me take the right steps in the right direction. Yeah, he's been great for me, man. That's good. Yeah, fucking excellent. Yeah. Step the fuck up, man. Like, say, but I don't know what people think about him, but as a human being, man, he's a good fucking great guy. Fucking helped me out huge.
2: He seems like he's there for his friends. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Loyal, Loyalty is his number one quality. Yeah. He is fucking loyal.
2: Do you think that some of the issues that you were dealing with prior to that are what led to your guys falling out? or Oh, uh, pre- 100%. Yeah? Yeah.
1: A hundred fucking percent. Yeah, it was just, like I said, it, it, even before the ACL injury, I, I was starting to turn into a different person. Yeah. People could see it. People could, could tell uh, something to, like I was turned, just moving in the wrong direction. Uh, so, yeah, that definitely had something to do with it because I changed as a human, not as a performer, as a fucking human being. I yeah. changed, And I even look back at that time. I was so out of shape. I look at some of those segments from before I got injured. I was fat. I would have never in a million years let myself get like that. I don't know what was going on in my head. How big did you get? How did you? How did you... I, I don't remember weight, but mm-hmm. I look back at some of those segments and, and I look like, like shit, frustrated yourself. <laughs> yeah, I look like I'm very critical of my body. That's... Like like right now, I'm very critical. Like I got myself to 308 pounds, and then I did a show for Southern Honor two weeks ago, and it was on the internet, and like I got pictures. And I was like man, your abs aren't coming out enough. So then I fucking leaned out, started dieting. Now I look in the mirror in my hotel room, and now I'm too lean. I'm like my arms are flat, <laughs> so like I'm always I'm always constantly changing. That's tough. I, I yeah. couldn't
2: I could not imagine being on TV uh, with my shirt off every week.
1: But I love it because it gives me goals. Something something with depression that you need to do is set goals. So constantly resetting goals. Okay, get bigger. Get like these are things now I focus on, and the gym is fucking part of my medication, man. For some people it may not be. I don't know, you know what what people do they meditate they do whatever steps they take to alleviate what's going on in their head mm. the gym for me huge if i don't get into the gym I'm, i feel awful uh it's it, it just uh so constantly in the gym that that helps me here how often do you work out five times a week there's some days if i take a day off and I'm, i start like freaking out i'm like fuck i need to get in the gym i'll just start doing push-ups
2: just wear just wear at your place yes yeah i was i was i do ryback's podcast uh Every weekend, and uh, he told me that he's been working out for like two to four hours every day since he was thirteen years old. And I was like, "Oh man, I am I'm fucking up. I gotta get in shape." I'm fucking look at the guy. I know, I know, yeah. I, that's what, <laughs> Well, that's what we were talking about. It because he was mad about when people think that he takes steroids, and he was like, and he he was just saying like it frustrates him personally. He's Like I've been working out for fucking two to four hours a day since I was a child. You know, people like just, people just
1: say anything, man. They really do. I bet you. I bet you. Uh, if I fucking. I bet you if I got to 325 pounds, I don't think I could ever do it. But say They'd say he's on steroids. He's oh, definitely on steroids. 100%. There's no other reason he looks like that. 100%. That's just what people do.
2: It's just, it's
1: they're the- jealous because they don't fucking have the work ethic to actually put in the work, to get in the gym, to eat correctly. And they're insecure about themselves and their body. So when they see someone look that good, steroids. Yeah. Cheating. Cheating. Totally. Because they're insecure because they can't fucking do
2: it. Because mm-hmm. they, they could do it. They just don't have the fucking mindset to do it. It's similar to like when I saw people talking shit on Renee Young this weekend and her commentary on Raw and then she was kind of saying like, well, I know I'm not the best but I'm working on it type of thing and it was like, no, don't, you're great at what you do. Like, it's just some guy in the middle of nowhere who would never have the guts to go try and do it himself I'm not, and so he's just yeah, hating on someone I'm else.
1: not familiar with the product, so I don't. I don't know. But uh, Renee's fucking talented as shit, so that guy's probably an idiot.
2: <laughs> totally. To be
1: honest with you, like, <laughs> totally. She's talented as fuck.
2: <laughs> um, can I ask you a little bit? I, there's one thing that happened recently that I'm so interested in. If you can't talk about it, I understand.
1: I, is it the Madison Square? Garden? Yeah. Can you not
2: talk about it at all? Are you not allowed to? I mean, you could shoot a quiet. AI. Well, I was more toward like, what happened? Because I was there. I was at the show, and I, I, it, it seemed like you guys were part of the show. Is that safe to say? We were you. You guys are booked to be there, right?
1: Were well, we booked to be there? I wouldn't exactly say that. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. But uh I mean I noticed security didn't stop you guys from, from Look, doing. It.
1: I'll say this. Okay. So no matter what has been put out there in the world or who's trying to cover up what. Yeah. Or who's trying to say what, watch that footage back and tell me if that's a shoot or if that's a fucking work. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) Okay. uh, I read some shit afterwards and people trying to cover up and whatever they're trying to say to make themselves look better and to make their, their brand look Mm -hmm. better. Uh, But watch that back and you tell me what, what the fuck happened. Was that a shoot or was that a fucking work?
2: I mean, I was there, so I didn't have to watch the video. I I was watching the whole thing. To me, that was a work. You thought it was a work? I thought it was a work. I thought. I assumed it was because I, I would think if it wasn't security would have like jumped in and pushed you guys away and not the wrestlers, but they might've also been thinking that it was part of the show and it wasn't exactly <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so with the landscape being the way it is, um, do you think that the indies is something that you want to keep doing? Uh, you know, do, would you prefer to have a full-time deal with a major company like a, a ring of honor and impact, a, a whoever it depends right A-W. now.
1: Like I like what I'm doing right now, man. Making good money, fucking living life, being able to do my own schedule. Come out here to LA for a few days. If, if I was under full time deal, I wouldn't have been in. A, I would have done the signing Saturday, and I wouldn't have been here today. True. I could do whatever the fuck I want. Yep. I could stay in LA for a few days and you know take meetings and then do this interview and do whatever I want. Yep. So it's it's a really nice life to live. Um, depends on what what gets put in front of me, man. I'm not dead set on anything. Totally. I could go anywhere. It yep. uh, depends on what what offers put in front of me. And um, at this point in time, I'm looking at myself like a commodity. I'm not fucking, I don't need to be anywhere. I'm happy the way I am. I saved my fucking money. And I, believe me, I made a fuck ton. <laughs> we, <laughs> oh, I can believe that for sure. We sold a lot of fucking merch. Oh, I can believe that. So so, and I, if anybody, <laughs> I can make a fucking nickel squeal. <laughs> so I've saved my money. I don't need money. Uh, it depends on what. In my life, or
2: what works out, what they what is put in front of me, man. I also feel like I know like things are great right now in wrestling or whatever. They're doing good right now in wrestling, but I also feel like in six months from now it's going to be even crazier. Like the it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I am uh, I as a fan, not as a performer. I'm looking forward to this because shit's going to get real. Oh yeah, October twenty nine. Uh, no, sooner than October. I think the first one was October 2nd is the first AEW show on I, TNT. Oh, I thought... Oh, because Jericho put something out there about the...
1: On the, the tickets th- go on sale. The, the anniversary of his first match. was It's going to be in D.C., I thought it might have been the first taping. I think. Right? The, or the first live. The uh, first.
2: Yeah, the first. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I remember them saying that. And I forget the exact he date. He tweeted something. He tweeted something along those lines, yes. But yeah. I know that the, October 2nd is a live show from DC. That's the first AEW show. Oh, that's show. the one. That, that, okay, that's, that's what one. Jericho was tweeting Yes. Out. And yeah. then October 4th is Fox's first WWE SmackDown.
1: Shit's going to get real, man. It's gonna be, <laughs> as a fan,
2: it's going to be awesome. Yeah. As so you, a, you, you were a fan your whole life of wrestling, so you watched the Monday Night Wars and all that kind of 100%. stuff. I started going to shows at the Garden. I remember my
1: first show was a show at the Garden. They had a battle royal, and uh, my memory's a little foggy because I was really young. It was in 92. It was a Superstars taping in February. <laughs> Not that foggy if you
2: remember that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and uh, I just remember there was a fuck finish on Hogan with Sid going into Wrestlemania 8 I think yeah going into Wrestlemania 8 there was a battle royal it was in the garden and like there was some sort of like fuck finish where Hogan got screwed by Sid uh, I remember
2: that specifically that's awesome that's all I remember from that show <laughs> it's, it's crazy that you remember like the, the, the things you remember from your first wrestling show like I remember my first wrestling show too and it was weird because my dad my dad works in TV so I got to be backstage for my first WWE show but I was like a little kid so like I think that's probably why I ended up getting in, working in wrestling news because I was like behind the scenes when I wasn't a wrestler at day one. Like, this is a crazy world, and I just remember looking around and thinking like, "This is awesome! Like, this is cool! This is like a TV show, but it's like real." You know, right? yeah. yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, as a fan of professional wrestling, wrestling it's, it, it is exciting right it's now. It's gonna be awesome, man. I feel like, like, I, 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 I'm, I think I'm most excited for uh, the people who didn't get to experience. Two actual major companies going head to head. I'm more excited for them to get to experience what we experienced yes. as kids, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting world, and I feel like. What, what do you think about AEW's approach to kind of like the more sports oriented vibe? I love it. I've yeah? watched
1: everything that they've done. Yeah, I love I love it. Uh, I'm really interested to see, you know, how how things go when TV starts. They're fucking crushing it, man. Uh, yeah, I watched all their pay per views. I watched. Uh, I, I don't know. So like. I... All in Double or Nothing were like the pay per views. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what they considered like fight for the fallen and fight, fight Those are semi pay per views. To me,
2: it felt like dry run for like TV almost. Maybe, but yeah. I watched
1: I watched them all uh-huh. and I fucking really enjoyed everything. So, what was your favorite part about it, dude? The Cody fucking dust the match at Double or Nothing, man. It was it's so good. And then not only that, then the promo afterwards, the emotion that went into it. When he uh, he said, "I don't need a partner. I need my brother." Yeah, and they both like started crying. Dude, it was fucking
2: amazing. That that's movie. That's Hollywood shit, dude. Hundred percent. It was fantastic. I was there, and I it yeah. was like, "Oh, that's that's good," you yeah. know. And I know that it was a callback to whatever for Dusty and Dustin or whatever. But like, still, you just go like like you said, that's like, movie shit, right there. <laughs> You're it like, was. Man. That's good. Like that gets that's. It was real emotion. Totally, and 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 it can and it. You can relate to it, you know. if, yes. you, if you, you, Anyone can relate to like a relationship like that. You can yeah. go like, "Oh, that's so, I get that." That's
1: the best thing I've seen so far. Yeah, that's like I, uh, that, seg- that entire segment was fantastic.
2: I love the fact that Cody is bringing kind of that old school vibe to to AEW. You know, I yeah. think that that and the NWA title match that was at you know all, you know whatever back way back in the day, the first one, all in or whatever, all in you know, and that, uh, 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 against uh, Magnus. Magnus, yeah uh like even that one same thing it was my favorite match on the card because it was just like this old school vibe yeah um and i'm really interested to see how they're able to kind of like bring that in in 2019 you I know i think what moxley
1: mean? brings that too
2: moxley i the, i love that just like his promos are so good like yeah. you wondered you go like why you'd watch him and you'd go like i know that guy does dope promos when he was in wwe yeah you'd be like why are they making him so goofy all the time and it's it's crazy to see just like in the short amount you know the short few things they have let him do how great they are
1: yeah yeah it's fucking he's and his, uh,
2: his stuff in New Japan too
1: he's killing it dude him and Juice, like me him and Juice we used to we used to ride up and down the roads in FCW together and watching them uh, f- uh, you know wrestling in New Japan was fantastic it
2: was fucking awesome man. is that something that interests you Interests you what New Japan 100% yeah yeah the G1 status uh, looks it intense
1: depends. yeah <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> Uh, it depends on timing and, and what's in front of me and what else I'm doing with my wife. Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd love to go to New Japan. That'd be,
2: you know, sick. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's you know, I think that, you know, Juice and Moxley have both done a good job of, like, showing kind of their full capabilities there, you know? Yep. It would be cool to see you kind of getting that same opportunity to kind of, like, show your full yeah. capabilities. Because I don't think people realize how, I don't want to say handcuffed, but, like, There are so many limitations placed on you guys in the ring. I don't think people understand the real...
1: Yeah, it's just... uh, I like... I'll say this. I like being on the (laughs) independents. Yeah. It's nice. It's a nice change of pace. Yeah. But then again, we're not working fucking television where we have to hit break spots and advertisers have to come in at certain points. So
2: it's just a whole different ballgame. Is it... It's got to be really hard to build a match knowing all of that and having the referee yelling stuff while it's going on. Yes. Yeah. It's very stressful.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of fun. You enjoy the challenge. Like a lot of people um, in terms of performance wise, not backstage wise, but in terms of performance wise, I always liked TVs better than house shows. Everybody loved house shows. That's the opposite. People thought it was crazy.
2: You always hear the opposite. I was like, I
1: love the challenge of, like, we got to hit this spot by the time we get to here so they can go to break before the fucking, uh, you know, this, you know, we do this. I always thought that that was a fun challenge.
2: You see, I I think that's probably why you want to get into acting, probably, afterwards. Because, I mean, that is kind of, like, similarly to acting. Like, you have to hit certain things. Like, you have to... Make this work, you know. Like, and it's not easy to do that. People thought I was nuts.
1: I was always like, I love TVs way better. And and (laughs) they were like, house shows are so much more laid back. And I was like, yeah, I don't like that. Like, backstage and everything else, I love laid back. (laughs) Yeah, but when I go through the curtain, I want high pressure.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I I mean, high pressure for some people does bring out the best in them. Obviously, I mean, you know, uh, but God, that's got to be. That's got to be even worse for you though, since you like the high pressure situations, but then you're dealing only, with anxiety. Only
1: performance-wise. Yeah, yeah. All my everything that I, I suffer with, the second I walk through the curtain's gone. Yeah. Complete like it's crazy. Like I would s- sit behind the curtain at TVs and I'd be like, all right, when you're music, you're still gonna have it. Every without fail, every time I walk through the curtain, gone. Everything. It's like medicine yep everything was gone. Mm-hmm. and then like when you come back through the current, you're riding a little bit of an adrenaline high and all that, and then when you finally get to the locker room or when you're walking down the hallway the locker room, that's when it all starts
2: sinking back in again. yes mm-hmm. yeah. are, you, are so are you taking like medication in step two to yes. help with it? Yes Does that help a lot? 100 percent? Yeah, right. I can imagine I'm a huge that.
1: advocate for it. Some people some people don't don't think it's the right approach. that's fine if that, but as long as you're taking an approach and you're getting better. That's all that matters. So whether it's medication or talk therapy or whatever it is that you want to do, that's fine. Yep. Uh, just, just do whatever you need to do. Seek help. Talk to somebody and get the job done. Yeah. You need to get better. Yes. So whatever it is.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, I suffered from AD and it was like had to try so many different medications and, and plans to, to figure out like what helps – you get through it, you know, and it's obviously yeah. not the same thing as depression or whatever, but, like, it's a, a thing that fucks with your brain, you know, and So so, um, yeah, I, I commend you very much for being able to do that. I think that, you know, do you think that you'll be maybe because this is something that's so important to you, do you think that you'll be kind of, like, working with any of the community at all to kind of, like, help keep spreading this message and stuff? I
1: have some things worked out with some NFL teams that I'm going to be doing soon. Good. Um, yeah, uh, Doug, Doug Lawson, uh, he's he's kind of set up some things for me to maybe talk to some NFL teams. Good. Which may fall through because it's a pretty big deal. But
2: But NFL team I mean, the NFL has just as bad as wrestlers in terms of like
1: that kind of thing. But as of now, it's on schedule. Good. Yeah. So starting with that, and I I would love to spread the word on mental health, man. I I just think it's something that's not talked about enough. I feel like it's something that uh, is looked down upon, and I feel like the stigma needs to change uh, because it's really affecting people's lives. I mean, just... You know, people are out there, you know, often themselves committing suicide every day, man. Uh, These are things that shouldn't happen. No. And I think that a lot of it could be, you know, I think a lot of it, those numbers can go down and way down if more people talk about it and, and the word is spread more, especially by people that are in some sort of spotlight, like I am. I mean, I'm in by no means in like a crazy amount of spotlight. I'm no Kim Kardashian, you know. But no, you, not, you not got sure. a pretty big spotlight. Yeah. So, like, I'm in a pretty big spotlight. So, I'm, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to help people out there suffering. And I'll tell you this, man, like. I was nervous about talking about it. I was nervous about putting it out there because then people are like, well, you know, the same bullshit that's going to happen. He's weak and all that. And But then the Instagram direct messages started flooding in. Like every day still, I get hundreds of messages on Instagram, people telling me how I've inspired them, how they're going to get help. Uh, once that started happening, I said, that was the right fucking decision, yeah. man. By a mile. Like yes. I, this, many people have been affected by my video. I'm just, a, I'm just a pro wrestler, man. I'm just, a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a, not a drop in the bucket, man. I'm a pro wrestler, but for my story to help them that much, especially like you said, being as big as I am and you know the big tough guy, you know, fucking pro wrestler. Yeah. For me to open up about it helped a lot of people open up about it and and talk to me. And for some of these people before they see a psychiatrist. Yep. I'm the only person they're talking to right now. Totally. And I'm responding as much as possible to everybody. But the messages are coming in so many every day, like it's hard to respond. But like there was one person that, that uh, messaged me, man, and it was so sad. And uh, she messaged me and said how her husband had passed away from a seizure uh, at the grocery store. Uh, the morning that his favorite baseball team was going to finally win the World Series, I think it might have been. I don't. I she didn't tell. Get into details. I assume it was the Cubs, probably in 2016. And she said it was the seizure was from alcohol withdrawal. And she said we just all thought he was a fucking booze hound, alcoholic, useless. Not not useless, but you know he was just an alcoholic, he can't be saved. And then she said, I never realized until watching your video what the real issue was. It was depression, and we should have been getting him help for that. So a lot of people focus on, oh, this person needs help for alcohol or pills or whatever their fucking outlet is. That person needs help for that. I'm a firm believer in you need to address the real situation that's causing that first, which is probably their mental health. Yep. That needs to be addressed first. Absolutely. So when she messaged me that, like, that really I was brought to tears, man. I felt horrible. But at the same time, I felt like
2: I mean, help. I, I'm help. helping people,
1: yeah. but... I wish I would have put the video out before that happened. Well, I mean,
2: you couldn't have, you know. Yeah. I mean, you didn't know yourself, you yeah. know, and you can't, you couldn't have. I mean, yeah. the fact that you're doing it now is, is helpful, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that a lot of addiction stems from mental health issues.
1: A hundred percent, and people just look; they write people off that are addicted to drugs or alcohol, and say they're just addicted to drugs or alcohol. You know, they're they're just a, they're an alcoholic. Or they're a booze hound, or I don't even know what the word for a drug addict is. A negative connotation. I don't know. They're yeah. junkie. drugie, Yeah, junkie. This guy's a junkie. Yeah. Okay, we need to get him help for that. Oh, he went to rehab, and he's back on the bottle. Well, maybe you need to think differently. This is the problem over here. Yep. This is what needs to happen first, because yep. that's what's causing everything, and that's what it was for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'd have a glass of wine you know, here and there, or maybe two glasses of wine here and there, and like... You know, in college, obviously, I was a big drinker, but when depression and anxiety started setting in, that's when I started really fucking drinking. So that was the problem all along. That needs to be addressed before anything else can be addressed. That's just my opinion.
2: No, I think you're. And my opinion is that you're. And I'm no
1: fucking professional. I'm no MD. I'm no psychiatrist. That's just from my experience and from what I've read and from people I talk to and people that you know message me on Instagram and conversations I'm having that is my conclusion. No
2: that's I I, I mean I'm not going to say medically I know for sure but I, that's what I from the time that I spent in rehab not me there but being there visiting people that's 100% the vibe I got as well you know I know that someone I knew who was very close to me that they told me you know they started using because they thought nobody cared about them they thought that they were there was nobody and I was like we talk every day you yeah. know and it's like I'm always there for you you know yeah. and so it was it, it was a it, it's um it's crazy how the mind can can convince you of those kinds of things and, too.
1: And the crazy thing about the mind, uh, is, uh, you know, I've, I've heard, uh, one of my f- biggest inspirations, Tyson Fury fucking, I'll tell you this. If it wasn't for that guy, I'd probably be dead. And I'm just saying, I'm being honest. If it wasn't for that guy's story, I'd probably, I'd probably be dead. Um, he, he, he said what's special about the mind is like, if you were disabled or handicapped, or if you had some sort of physical ailment, I could see it. But like, you can't see inside someone's mind. So I could be talking to you right now. Right now, I could be talking to you. We're having a great conversation. You seem like a happy person. You could go home later and just start taking drugs because you're depressed. I don't fucking know. Totally. That's, that's like what is very weird. So unless you tell somebody, they're not going to know because nope. you look pretty happy to me yeah. or that person over there or that person looks very happy to me. Yep. You can't see inside their mind. Nope. What they need to do is let people know. You have to let somebody know. And let them fucking either get you help or or point you in the right direction.
2: I actually wish that mental health was something that was taught more in school too, like when from a young age of some sort. Like you know, we have like sex ed and drug education. Like yep. I, I, it would be beneficial for that kind of thing because I mean, kids are just like that's when it starts usually is, is, is at a young age of like being bullied or certain things that just mess with your head and then yep. it starts leading you down a different road of anxiety or chemical imbalance can also mess it up. But like a lot of those things can really can Really mess with your head. I, I, it's so that's why I do. I, I was so happy when you wanted to come over here because it, it, yep. it, I, I, spreading the message of mental health is so important. I mean, yes. I, yeah, everyone, you know, the per- people I know that, that did, that fall down those traps, this is 100% what it is, you know. I mean, even when you see homeless people on the street a lot of the time, like that's what's, that's what led them to that road was because there was no one there to help them when they were dealing with mental issues. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, I, I do want to thank you for coming in here though. I, I, okay, I think man. that it's, it's, like I said, it's invaluable for certain people to see someone on your platform. I know you said you don't feel like you're a Kim Kardashian or whatever, yeah. but like, you are fucking really famous. Like, you were on TV for a long time, well, yep. a good amount of time, yep. and, and resonated with a lot of people. I mean, there's a reason you guys were as popular as you were, and it's because your characters resonated with people. You seemed real. Yeah. A- and for the same reason that you guys got over on TV, it's why people feel like they can talk to you after when you came out with it. Because we're real. You are real people. Yes, uh, thank you so much. Where can people find everything that you're thank doing you. here, Kaz? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Where can Very people much. find you on social media and stuff?
1: Uh, okay. So if, you're on,
2: gonna, if you're using it. I
1: don't know. <laughs> on, on, on Twitter, I'm um, uh, at the KazXL, T-H-E-C-A-Z-X-L. And uh, on Instagram, I am still, unfortunately, I can't change my handle for some reason, uh, <laughs> BigCast, W-W-E-B-I-G-C-A-S-S-W-E-B. And if you're having any issues with mental health and you need somebody to talk to, and you think I might be your guy, please send me a direct message on Instagram because I check. I may not have posted in over 14 fucking months, but I tell you this I check my messages every day. So get in contact with me and I'll try my best to point you in the right direction.
2: Thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. A lot. Thank you.
3: All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out.